This is a show about getting spooked for fun, and neither one of the hosts are associated with the attractions discussed in any way. Except for those skeletons in Devin's closet. Some topics may go from ghoulish to ghastly, so viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to The Great American Scream. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of The Great American Scream. My name is Devin Wright. My name is Ezra Fisher. Oh, there it is. It's big. There's a guest. We're in the same room, also. We're sitting here with one microphone in between us, and so if the audio's bad, uh, yell at Ezra, I think, is the person we yell at for that this week. It's your audio setup. It is my audio setup, and I am doing the, I'm doing all the work to make the audio sound better, so if the audio doesn't sound good, it would be because of something I did, which is why you should tweet at Ezra specifically to let him know that the audio is bad and he should feel bad. But what are we talking about today, Ezra? We're talking about Resident Evil. Resident Evil Silent Hill. Um, no. That's a different one. Uh, <laughs> Silent Hill and Resident Evil are basically opposites. Yeah, okay, so, so long story short, Adam is a very busy, talented boy, and he doesn't have time to be on the podcast. Ezra and I are also very talented, busy boys, uh, which is why this episode is later than I wanted it to be. But we do have just a little bit of time, and since we live in the same place, we can get this done. We're going to do a quick and dirty rundown of all the Resident Evil games, only the main ones, because Jesus God, oh God, Jesus, are there so many spinoffs. So I have all the Resident Evils, uh, all the stuff I found that I could remember about each one, slash what I could find on Wikipedia, and anytime I mention a game that you know some stuff about, Ezra's just going to jump in and talk about the, the batshit crazy stuff that happens. And this is a cuss episode, I've just decided. I just decided this is a cussing episode. Lucas, turn it off. Listen, they cuss in the games. We can cuss on the pod. Cuss in the game, cuss in the pod. Uh, uh, they, say, they say fuck a lot in the new games. But, um, of, uh... What is the, a freak in the, freak in the streets is worth two in the bush. Yeah? Sure, we'll go with that one. A cuss in the pod is worth five. Stars on Apple local bodega. Five pats of the head of a cat at the bodega. Okay, Resident Evil 1. So, okay, so let's talk about, I talked about this in the video game episode, that Resident Evil is a really interesting game to follow throughout gaming history because it, uh... It invented a genre, and it really did, with the first game, invent the modern survival horror genre. But as it went on, it kind of followed the, the, the winds of, of change in the gaming industry, and so went through a kind of metamorphosis throughout the early 2000s and became more of an action game and then returned to its roots because of influences like uh, P.T., later on so it's a, it's a really interesting game to follow in the same way um that the uh like castlevania games are interesting to follow yeah it definitely jumps the shark uh multiple times there are multiple there are multiple sharks being jumped at all times and guess what well, they're zombie sharks <laughs> infected by the s virus which wesker made because one time he went to an aquarium when he was young and he saw a shark and he said i want one of those and that's the S virus. Resident I'm not, Evil. I'm, I can't be the fact checker on this episode. Resident because Evil. You can make stuff. You can make up so much shit about Resident Evil. Like there's so much stuff that I could definitely say with a straight face, and you could say with a straight face. Yeah. That is totally not true and bullshit. And I'll be up. doing that the whole episode, and there will be no way to tell the difference. Resident Evil Twenty. There is sharks in the first game. It's Resident Evil Twenty, but instead of XX, it's going to be four V's so that they can be shark teeth. Resident Evil 1. Resident Evil 30 is just going to be a sex game. Because it's Triple like X. sex. Yeah. Yes, I like that. Uh, so, Resident Evil 1, 1996. It was called Biohazard at first because there was... And they couldn't name it Biohazard in the States because there was like a rock band in Boston named Biohazard, which is pretty sick. Anyway, so 1996, you had it for the PlayStation and the Sega Saturn. <laughs> The and, Sega Saturn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it invented this new genre. 
Uh, we talked about it in the video game episodes as well. There were Japanese titles in the early uh, pre-3D phase that that hinted at survival horror, but Resident Evil with established the formula in much the same way. Again, Castlevania established the Metroidvania uh, formula. So the survival horror genre in general has a uh, a what is it? a through line where in the game you start out very weak in a dangerous situation and as you go through you equip yourself with weapons that you find you find ammo which is usually limited as a as another stress factor you solve weird puzzles because it's a japanese game and there are always puzzles uh, it also starts out that you are in this giant mansion because your helicopter pilot abandons you and so oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll yeah, get to you're that. stuck I'm, in this gothic mansion. Yeah, so yeah. there's puzzles with amulets yeah, and like yeah, so carvings and there's another statues. Yeah, another tentpole of this genre is uh, they're kind of they're often location studies. So uh, you know you're stuck in a mansion. You're stuck in a research lab. You're stuck in a city. Uh, you're stuck in a police station. In a police station, which is also a a hallmark of not just horror movies, but also some action movies, especially in the late 90s and early 2000s, which is why we can see the confluence of those later on in this series. So, things about Resident Evil that are fun to talk about. Fixed camera angles. You don't have control of the camera. This is early 3D gaming. The backgrounds actually aren't 3D. They're they're, uh, rasterized graphics that a 3D model runs around on, Uh, so there's no way to control the camera. That allows for a horror movie thing where you get to control what the player sees uh, in a way that's not normal for most 3D games today, and so you can control the scares. Every time you open a door, there's like a cutscene of the door opening. It's the most terrifying thing ever. They can hide zombies behind corners. The other thing that adds to the scariness of fixed camera angles is there's tank controls, which means that you don't move in a 3D space the way we would think of today. Early on in 3D movement, there were a lot of different ways people tried to figure out how to move in 3D environments with just a stick. And this one was you have to, you can move forward and back, but there's no strafing. When you, when you move the stick left, you turn left, and then you have to press forward to walk forward. Yeah, They're called your, tank controls. So your character, no matter which direction they're facing, if you pressed up, they will face forward. forward. It doesn't yeah. matter if they're facing the camera or facing away from they the camera. They will move forward, yeah. You are always, always, always fighting to try to understand tank controls. Right, which was not intended design-wise to enhance the horror of the game, but it did because it added a frustration that... that for a lot of people, enhanced the stressfulness of the situation. Today, a lot of people would ding a game that did that because it was a way to artificially ratchet up frustration when we have better movement systems in games now. Yeah, there's also, this is a very small thing, but there is, with Resident Evil 1, I love I love speedruns of the Resident Evil games. I love speedruns of any horror game because it totally just pulls the rug out from Strips all the horror. everything. But there is this technique in Resident Evil 1 and several other Resident Evil games called stair skating, where if you are going up or down, uh, they can kind of trick the game into going faster by like uh, locking them into a certain small piece of animation. So yeah. they just like... Yeah, and early 3D games are full of that kind of thing, so they're so much fun. A little bit about the story of Resident Evil 1. You're Chris Redfield or Jill Valentine. Sorry, you're cops. It also, sucks. Also, like, you get to pick your protagonist. This is also a very big thing that goes through the rest of the series, through a lot of the series, and also is pretty innovative because you have uh, uh, roots of this series in old, you know, Famicom and, uh, and early Atari games, which a lot of the time were then inspired by... Uh, choose your own adventure or text adventure games, there's an emphasis on different uh, and diverging experiences in the game. Resident Evil 1 doesn't do it a whole ton uh, because it's a PlayStation 1 game. And they don't have the room, but it'll get expanded in later games. It'll get dropped completely later, uh, but it's still very interesting. And that's another thing about Resident Evil is because it is made, uh, and a lot of um, Japanese games that end up becoming very popular end up doing this where they are not always expected to be popular. They are often just people making a game that they're interested in and using mechanics that are in at the time uh, that they're interested in, which is usually in America done on PC. 
PC is the place where most experimental things are done. In Japan, they're done in mainstream popular culture games. So you have stuff like diverging storylines that they think does, don't work, and so they drop it in the next game. Or they bring in uh, this third-person action thing in Resident Evil 4, and then they drop it. Or you know they, they will add stuff, drop it, just as they go. So, so back to being cops. That sucks. We'll talk about it. You're Chris Redfield or Jill Valentine. Jill is obviously the better one. She has the lockpick, and she has more inventory slots. She's just better. Sorry about it. Chris Redfield, you're a great gay man, but you can't, you should just play as Jill. Anyway, you're in a helicopter. Your buddies died. No, no, your your buddies were sent to go investigate a mystery because a bunch of people are being murdered in Raccoon City, which is the real name of the real place that you're in, that you're a police officer at. You're part of STARS, which is this special agency thing. You're in a helicopter going to find Alpha Team, your Bravo Team, or maybe the other way around. Your helicopter pilot gets super spooked when you land because you also got you get attacked by zombie dogs. Straight in, you're attacked by zombie dogs, and you say, "Oh no, zombie dogs! Our helicopter pilot's gone. Let's go to this mansion." And depending on which character you pick, the other character like doesn't make it to the mansion, and that's like the way that they justify the fact that the other character isn't in the rest of the game. You get Barry, or you get the other person. Nobody knows because everybody plays Jill Valentine because she's just better. There's some spooky stuff in the mansion. There are zombies. There's a T-virus. People doing experiments. Yeah, yeah, So crazy experiments done by a group called Umbrella. Also, you're with Wesker. Like, Wesker's part of your right, team. Right, right. Wesker, this is important. Wesker is a Albert lead. Wesker. His name is Albert. His name is Al. Good old Al Weskies. No, no, no. It's Albert. Good old Al Weskies is there, and he's in charge of stars. He, like, is the one who sent you. The Umbrella Corporation is the icky science corporation that does the bad experiments that makes the zombies. These zombies are made by the T-virus, which, you know, crazy experiments. There's a big super soldier zombie guy called Tyrant, who is also just like a bioengineered super weapon guy. Uh, you fight him, and he dies. Is that the one where you shoot him with a grenade launcher? No, that's... no, no, it's a different game. You shoot him a bunch of times, and you win. Wesker's and then the helicopter there. picks you up and you Hel- fly into the sunset. That is also very important yeah. in Resident Evil. There, You always get picked up by a helicopter and you fly into the sunset and usually there's J-pop playing. Yeah, and and you like shoot the guy and the helicopter comes and it's like... It's a Final Fantasy. Anyway, there are multiple endings. There's like good, bad endings, but like... Yeah, it all depends. You're on a helicopter, you're going off into the sunset, happy days, this is an American action movie. Yeah, it's not as... Uh, the multiple endings aren't as like detailed as um, everyone's favorite multiple ending game, Undertale. But everybody's favorite game. The thing about <laughs> this game is everybody loves it unconditionally. Um, but there's like there's like a good ending, a bad ending for each and character, then, like a medium. Yeah, ending. there's a normal ending, and this is another thing that ends up getting dropped. Uh, there are always there are sometimes like secret endings, but the multiple endings gets dropped later. The thing about the flying off into the sunset is that it establishes that this game is in a lot of ways inspired by American pop culture and specifically in a lot of ways action movies, which is why, again, the development later makes sense, although it sucks. So, 1998, happy birthday, Devin. He's here. Everybody loves him. Resident Evil 2 comes out. Resident Evil, as a celebration of Devin's birth, Resident Evil 2 is released. It's got Leon. Leon. Leon is a cop who is going to start working at Red, at Raccoon City, and Raccoon right. City is being run over, is being run over. Ding Ding Zombies in the yeah. Raccoon City. Zombies in he the Raccoon even, City. He hasn't even gotten to work yet. It's already awful. It's his first day on the job, and oh man. No, it's like, no, it's not even his first right, day. Right. It's like nobody has contacted him about his job that he's supposed to start, and so he gets into the city, and the police station is like overrun, and there's like half dead and dead people. Shit yeah. sucks. Claire Redfield is Chris Redfield's sister, who has also come to Raccoon City to try to find her brother, who went off on a helicopter into the sunset at some point. And so you're both in the police department, and you're trying to find yes, what's this going game, on. This game was also remade very recently. Yes, uh, upscaled graphics. They like they uh, as well as like changed a couple things, and like we're also still experimenting with gameplay yeah. after Resident Evil Seven came out, and everyone loved it. Um, 
there's there's some really fun stuff, uh, fun costumes. Also, costumes are a big thing in Resident Evil, which is also just a, a you know a Japanese pop culture game thing. Uh, you think of Dead but Rising. you can play. Uh, the new game with the original like polygons. Yes, for... which is the greatest trend in modern it's video games. It's so funny to see your like Lego hands yes. holding a gun when everyone else that. everyone else is in 1080p and their skin yeah. is sweaty. And you're just... you know what game didn't do that that should have what Laura Croft the Tomb, <laughs> the Tomb Raider remix. Anyway, so this one triangle boob. Yeah, you have uh, you know Umbrella Corporation is is doing this stuff trying to take over Raccoon City, not take over, but just is infesting people with all these things. You have the police chief of Raccoon City who's revealed to be like working with Umbrella. Uh, Leon and Claire go through it. They find a golden locket that has the G virus in it. There are so many viruses, y'all. The G virus is in a golden locket. Yes. And they find it. This is also, uh, this is also the game that uh, well, the remake introduces uh, a tyrant, maybe you've seen him, called Mr. X. He has a funny little hat, mm -hmm. and you can shoot it off, okay. uh, and then eventually he gets, like, Does me shooting off his hat result in him losing any kind of powers, or is it just a funny no, little hat? it's just a funny little fedora. That's disappointing. Uh, my favorite thing was when uh, the besties, Russ called him the large detective. I just, I can't not call him the large detective. Resident Evil 2 is the one with the large detective. Yes. We know this about Resident this. Evil 3 is the one with... Uh, Nemi. Yeah, we'll talk about Resident Evil 3. So, we can talk about Resident Evil 2. Uh, uh, it can be its own episode, because it's a, it's a really fascinating game. The branching storylines are the one more that developed. Takes, yeah, that's the one that takes place mostly in the police department. Yeah, and you like go through the sewers, and there's the guy who created the G-Virus, who's important a little later in the series. Like He's a scientist guy uh, that we'll talk about later. Resident Evil 2 was literally greenlit like weeks after... It like started development during the development of Resident Evil 1 because they knew they were going to make more. Resident Evil 3, they upped this. They said, hey, you know how we started the second game before we even finished the first one? Before they finished the second one, they said, let's make two games at the same time. Let's make one that's a very good game. We're going to call it Code Veronica. Let's make a spin-off game, and we're going to call that one Resident Evil 3. Because <laughs> Resident Evil 3, codename Nemesis, is not codename Nemesis, just Nemesis. It was originally meant to be a spinoff, but it ended up becoming uh, Resident Evil 3 full stop. They were developed at the same time. Uh, the one back in the day, what people used to do is when there were multiple popular consoles, they would actually make different games for the two different consoles. Uh, and in this case, they made Resident Evil 3 originally for the PlayStation and Code Veronica originally for the Dreamcast. If this sounds weird and strange to you, it's because we live in a time where Skyrim has been released on everything and eventually... Uh, and it's not a special, it's special, not a special Skyrim. Edition. Yeah. Todd wants it to be tattooed on the inside of everyone's eyeballs by the time that it's 2050. Right. And an interactive eyeball tattoo. Absolutely. And it'll still be... The same, buggy, the same no new engine, Skyrim. Same bad game. Same. Listen, I can do hot takes on this podcast. Skyrim is a bad game for bad people, and if you like it, you're wrong. And you were probably just in eighth grade when it came out. Listen, I was too. Go back. It's not a good game. Y'all, if you... Uh, there's a difference between needing to mod Skyrim to make it a good game and needing to mod New Vegas. When you mod New Vegas, you're just you're completing the work that Obsidian wasn't allowed to finish because they were given 18 months. Because it's a perfect game, and it's wonderful, but sometimes it needs a little help. Skyrim, you need to mod to make a good, to make it <laughs> You passable. need to make it fun. <laughs> you need to make it fun at all. Anyway, that's not what this podcast is about. So, Resident Evil 3, 1999, PlayStation. Code Veronica, 2000, Dreamcast. Let's start with Nemesis first. You're Jill Valentine again. Hell yeah. She's in Raccoon City. She's getting chased around by... By our good friend Nemi, Nemesis who is the can only Pokemon that evolves into Sogaleo or Lunala, depending. <laughs> Nemesis is like Mr. X, a tyrant, and like the tyrant in the first game. Yeah. Except he has a big tentacle arm and also a rocket launcher. He's called a T-type because he's like a bioweapon specifically made from the T virus, which means that the other ones weren't, which confuses. That doesn't make any sense. Um, but he is. Uh, he can only say stars. That's because he was created. You said this when we were prepping. He was like, oh, he's just a big guy. You could only say stars. The reason he only says stars is because he's specifically created to hunt down the members of, of stars. stars. Like Android 16, who should have been only able to say Goku. <laughs> uh, so oh, this big bioweapon boy, there's a T-virus outbreak in Raccoon City. This is the one. This is the one that takes... Resident Evil 3 actually takes place 
During Resident Evil 2. 2, yes, but you're Jill. Yes. Because, so in Resident Evil 2, we were looking for Chris. Chris was absent. We didn't know where Chris was. But Chris is just, like, know, in a cave training, getting bigger no, muscles. No, no, Chris, at the end of Resident Evil 1, I know this, actually. He, the reason he goes off on a helicopter is he's, because he's going to Paris to infiltrate the Umbrella base in Paris. Incredible. <laughs> That's where he's this going. This man can't speak French. Of course he can't speak French. <laughs> he goes in, and he goes to Wesker, and he says... Voulez-vous coucher avec moi? No. Uh, Wesker would immediately be like, that's Chris Redfield. I want him out of my town. Get him out. Uh, so we're in Raccoon City. We're fighting Nemesis. Uh, I don't want to install that. IOBit, go away. This is when we beat him with the big rocket launcher. Yes. Because the one of the scientist guys gives you a big rocket launcher. Yes. And this- you shoot him. This is the game that really started to action. into action. Yeah, this is like... There are much more scripted sections where you're running from Nemesis. You know how you can tell? Because at the end of this video game, Raccoon City gets hit by a nuclear warhead. Well, they have to kill all the ding-dang zombies. They... <sighs> we have already seen that Chris Redfield, the world's most powerful gay man, can kill all the zombies. Just let him do it. But anyway... It gets nuked at the end of Resident Evil 3. I feel like there needs to be a spin-off novel about just, like, the political fallout from all of this bullshit. Um, who was president at this time? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> it's going to come up. You'd be surprised. So, Code Veronica, you are the Redfield siblings, Claire and Chris, right after Resident Evil 2, but before the nuke at the end of Resident Evil 3. Claire, this is a lot. So... Claire goes to Paris because Chris is there. He tries to find Chris. She gets captured, and they send her to a prison on a rock in the Southern Ocean. You know, as you do in a horror survival game. So, there's a rock in the Southern Ocean. She's Which ocean? The Southern Ocean. <laughs> That's the one below the Indian Ocean. Okay, okay, okay. So, I think. Anyway. So, she's on a prison rock. It's Azkaban is there. She's there. Alcatraz. Alcatraz is there. T-Virus on the island. Oh, no. Big zombies. She has to escape. Chris hears this in Paris, was smoking a cigarette, eating a baguette at Notre Dame, and says, I got to go find my sis. Goes to the rock. Welcome to the rock. Goes to the rock to find her. Fails. They both end up in (laughs) Antarctica at a research base of Umbrella. Yes. Where our good friend... Wesker. And Master of Stars, very good guy that we've known as a good guy all, the whole time, is, because actually he's a bad guy who does bad experiments. So Wesker's here now, and this is important. The introduction of Wesker as, like, a guy who shows up all the time and is dirty nasty is part of the evolution of Resident Evil to, like, a silly action over-the-top video game. It was always silly. Listen... Listen, we'll talk about Wesker in Resident Evil 5. <laughs> yeah, which I have a very short thing for Resident Evil 5 because it's a lot. So Ezra's going to take over the Wesker part. I'm going to take over how it's a bad game. This is the only spinoff I want to talk about. 2000 for PlayStation is called Resident Evil F- Survivor. And you play as an amnesiac helicopter pilot who is sent to Sheena Island off the coast of Spain for some reason, by Leon, who at this point is a secret agent for the American government. It's in first person, and it's a light gun game where you aim the gun at the TV and you shoot the zombies. That's the only reason I wanted to mention it. There was another one called Resident Evil Survivor 2 Code Veronica. Guys, we can't keep doing this. 2002, Resident Evil first remake, and Resident Evil Zero, we get a prequel for the GameCube. You can play it on the GameCube now. You play as Bravo Team, which is the group that disappeared that made Resident Evil 1 happen. Wesker, in this one, is like revealed to have always been working for Umbrella, uh, even as he made Stars, T-Virus, and also the guy who made the G-Virus, who put it in the locket, who's an important character. So this is when we get like Wesker and his boyfriend, who made the is G-Virus. Spencer? Is Spencer the guy who made Spencer. the G-Virus? Yes. And so they part ways because they want to work on different bad zombie viruses. Uh, 2005, it's action game time, baby. This is, okay, Resident Evil 4 is an incredible game. It is, uh, yeah, the, there's 
really good boss fights. It starts out and you're immediately just in a village with some weird villagers. Yeah, and so then you they're... asked where the president was, yes? Yeah, it's the president's daughter gets kidnapped. In this kidnapped. one, you play as U.S. secret agent Leon Kennedy, sent to save the daughter of the president who found herself in a cultish village in Spain. Leon Kennedy is actually JFK's son, and in this timeline, JFK wasn't killed, but he did But he remained sexy for the rest of his life. He did get infected with the T-Virus, probably. Oh, okay. John, uh, where did the T-Virus come from? From the book depository? John F. Kennedy's nuts. Oh, okay. I was making, anyway. In this one, the plague is called Las Plagas, which is bad. Las Plagas also shows up in Resident Evil 5. Well, that's the whole thing. So. You have Las Plagas, the people working on it are working with Wesker, Umbrella stuff. Leon and Ashley, who is the president's daughter, escape on a jet ski from the island research base, which is the same research base we were in then Resident Evil Survivor, Sheena yes. Island. You also just need to assume that Umbrella has somehow surreptitiously built lab research bases in Everywhere. like every, every part single of the country. Every single part of the world, and they are constantly making evil things for the sake of turning people into zombies and bioweapons. Yeah. But they also fall very easily and become Neo Umbrella, which is a whole other thing. We'll talk about it. So this one has the best action movie shot, because it's literally... Ashley and Leon on a jet ski <laughs> riding away from a research base as it explodes in the sunset. Absolutely sick. We love this. 2009 Resident Evil 5. I'm going to take the Resident Evil 5 first part to talk about the very, very, very bad things about this game. Talk a little bit about the fun things, and then you can talk about Wesker. <laughs> well, we just need the, well, the first thing always up front whenever you talk about Resident Evil 5 is it's a bad game and it's super racist. It's incredible. The reason it's a bad game is because it's incredibly racist. Chris Redfield goes to Africa to, uh, like, take out a guy who's selling a bioweapon on the black market. They are tracing the person who has, like, created Las Plagas from Resident Evil 4. Right. When you get there, the people there are infected with Las Plagas, which they refer to as a racist, like, basically, ant. like, the people in Africa are characterized as incredibly racist, animist stereotypes of sub-Saharan African people. It's super shitty. They all have Las Plagas. The solution to this problem is that you, Chris Redfield, just American agent, just kill all of them. It sucks. Then you go into a cave and find the cave flower that they use to make the viruses. It's a special flower that only blooms in the caves. And they find tents just and they're like, make what it was a regular virus. They're Why like, does it need to be a flower? They're like, what was Umbrella doing here? It's like, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> There's a new virus. It's called Ouroboros. I don't know why they went... Wesker, Wesker has this, like, uh, partner who is head of, like, a different bio-research company, which is revealed to, like, just also be, be umbrella, umbrella, basically. Everything um, is Umbrella. Her name is Excella. Um, there's a lot of, like... Which is also the name of the new Amtrak service that I'm running from Cincinnati. <laughs> but, like, but all of the viruses in, the, in Resident Evil 5 are all, like, black leech-like wormy things, which is new. Yeah. Um, which will kind of come back. But there's also this undercurrent of this idea about, like, oh, this virus is evolution and it selects human right, beings. Right, so Wesker's whole thing is that he wants to release Ouroboros so that it'll, like, cull the population and only the strongest will survive. Hey, not good that you're doing this at the end of a video game where you have shown that every single African person who ever gets the virus is not good enough. Probably not good. Probably not good. I don't know why they went away from naming a virus blank virus with a letter. It was way cooler. Ouroboros is a stupid name for a virus, especially a virus that's supposed to elicit natural selection. Why would a snake eat, why would a snake eating its own tail make any sense for that? Anyway, Jill is in this video game as a brainwashed guy in a hood. Yeah. Like it's like it's an early 2000s episode of Teen Titans. Yes. We also forgot to mention Ada Wong who shows up in Resident Evil Six. 3 and 4. Yeah, and is a char- is like she's a character in her own right. But like in 6 she's a very important character, but she's always been like a research person in these But adults. she she like works for the FBI. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a whole thing. Yeah. So, like, and it's not clear if she's like, it's pretty clear she's good in one, but then uh, yeah, yeah. So, Jill brainwashed, brainwashed by Wesker. She, by Wesker, she becomes she's, unbrainwashed. Yeah, because they pull out the 
they pull the like brainwash device that's yeah. embedded in her chest. Uh-huh. You have to shoot out it out of her chest. You, you have know, to where sh- brains go. Yeah, in the in the boss fight, you have to shoot it, but not too much because you can't kill her. And then you have to like interact and literally pull it off of her. This is a Doctor Who episode, is what Jill's it's a bunch brainwash is. Oh yeah, it's 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 a mess. She's also blonde now for some reason, and like why y'all gagging? And okay, Resident Evil Five is obviously the game that they made after watching The Matrix. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, let me let me finish the, the plot summary because Wesker tries to escape on this bomber but Chris, Jill, and Shiva, who's Chris's partner, which is a whole other thing, uh, they make it go into a big volcano. <laughs> they That's crash what they do with the, the plane bomber. into a volcano and then Wesker punches one of the uh, missile casings that has Las Plagas or Ouroboros and it Gets onto him and he has this big arm and, and you have then to you shoot, shoot him, him with a rocket launcher or grenade launcher, and then whatever you, gun you have at this yeah, point, yeah, and really. you kill him for sure dead this time. Yeah, he's like he is sinking into the lava, which should be like instant, but mm. no, he's still got half his torso and he's like Chris and like That's tries his, to grab yeah. the helicopter that picks you up in the volcano. Of you course. are my brother, Anakin, uh, is what he says. Uh, you talk about Wesker now. So in Resident Evil Five. Wesker is permanently wearing tiny little black sunglasses and a long leather coat. And he moves extremely fast because he has, like, made himself evolve with the virus. Um, Which is not what evolution is. Yeah, he thinks that he is basically a god and he can judge all the other human beings. And he talks like this. As is his right. Sure. His name's Albert. Like... If I if I was what in this about game, Albert is getting to you? It's just such a it's just such a name that like if I was Chris Redfield and I was I in can't this believe game, I have to drive I all the way him, to work on a Saturday is yeah. what Wesker says because his name's Al. Yeah, I wouldn't call him Wesker every time they're like, oh Wesker. It's like you're just legitimizing his ego. Call him Albert. So you're kind of doing a, a Voldemort Tom, Tom Riddle thing. Exactly. Yeah. But he moves very fast, and he, you have to shoot. In one of his boss battles, you have to shoot him with a rocket launcher, and he catches it. Yeah. And you have to shoot it again. His jaw unhinges like a snake, and he gulps it down. But he... You can shoot his glasses off, and he gets really mad about that. I would, too. Um, But he literally just, like, does hand-to-hand combat with you. Like, he doesn't... Every now and then, he'll pull out a gun and shoot you if you get too far away. But he literally thinks he's Neo from the Matrix. He's here for the fight. Yeah. He's nuts. He knows Kung Fu. And his, um, Excella, the woman that he's working with. The express train. Yeah, she has this thing where she's like, Albert, we were supposed to rule the world together. But, you know, she, like, ta- she takes the virus and it doesn't accept her, and then she becomes a big monster. As every single boss in Resident Evil does. Right. If you're a human and you're evil, you're gonna take something in a vial, you're gonna turn into a big monster, and then you're gonna die. Or you'll just become a big monster, just kind of on a whim. Like in Resident Evil 7. Not mm. on a whim, but like... No, Resident Evil 7. Mama becomes been. a monster just kind of cuz. Oh, yeah, it's true. So, okay, let's not talk anymore about this very bad game. Resident Evil 6, speaking of bad games, Wesker's son. Okay. He... Albert Wesker's loving, blood-related son, birthed from his loins. He, okay, Wesker has a bunch of kids that he, like, does experiments on, and I don't think he actually impregnated anyone. I feel like they're, like, clones or something. Yeah, we can't accept the... We cannot accept the fact that Wesker has ever had sex. It's the problem with this. Because uh, everything would be solved if Wesker could just get pegged, is what (laughs) I'm saying. I think that Wesker's problem is that he didn't... He's never gotten pegged. So, Wesker's son... Flees the authority after, uh, like, uh, a big bioterrorism happens. Uh, and he, like, goes to the authorities to, like, help them make a vaccine for the C virus. New virus. New virus! <laughs> New virus just dropped. Uh, Sherry Birkin is the one who picked her up. Incredible name. Uh, hey, Resident Evil, incredible human, real American names that you do. Uh... We'll talk about Leon that. Kennedy is a great name. Leon Kennedy's a great name. Chris Redfield, great name. Sherry Birkin, meh. Uh, Ada Wong, great name. Yeah. So 
they are trying to like get back to America to make a vaccine, and they're followed by Ustinak, who's another bioweapon guy. Chris Redfield comes up. He's like, "Hey, I'm ready to fight to the infected in this in this new place. I think it's like an Eastern European country at first, Probably. but then they end up in Raccoon City. So, Raccoon City, which was nuked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The leader of Neo Umbrella. We've got a new umbrella now. It's fancier. It's nicer. It's not your twelve dollar collapsible umbrella from CVS. This is a new umbrella. It's got two tiers. You know the ones that have the two ones. It's reinforced. Yeah, stable. the leader of Neo Umbrella, who says that she's Ada Wong, and she looks like Ada Wong, but this girl ain't Ada Wong. Is the thing about her. We got clones now. We, we got trickery. Not only do we have clones, we have people who are turned into other people, but called clones. Because the person who says she's Ada Wong is just a scientist that appeared in other games beforehand, but is just a scientist who was like turned into Ada Wong, but is called her clone. But that's not what a clone is. It's the, it's the, um, like, like from, it's the android cyborg thing, like from, uh, from Dragon Ball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not a clone, but says he's a clone. Chris Redfield is killing a bunch of the infected in, back in Raccoon City. But these are his friends. Yeah. The stars agents. Because all the stars agents got infected. So now he's all real, he's real sad. He has post-traumatic stress disorder. So he self-isolates and gets amnesia. We didn't have enough tropes in this series. Let's get another amnesiac in. They said, hey, you know what we loved in hit light gun game, Resident Evil, whatever the hell it was, Survivor? Survivor. We liked the amnesiac part of it. Let's take that, give it to Chris Redfield. He's an amnesiac now. The president of the United States is in this video game, and he is a real... uh, a real transparency guy. He loves transparency in the government. He says, hey... 1998, we screwed up some stuff. We did Resident Evil 0. We did Resident Evil 1. We were working with Umbrella. That sucks. I'm going to tell the whole world about all the bad stuff we did as a government when I wasn't president. But then, ding, ding, he gets attacked by the ding zombies and he gets infected. So who comes to save the day? Lee Harvey Oswald. And he shoots (laughs) and kills the president. That's not true, but he does die. Leon kills him. Everyone's favorite twink. Leon Kennedy, who is now a Secret Service agent, kills him. Kills the president. Then the real Ada Wong shows up and says, Now I, I'm Ada Wong. I'm here now. I'm actually good. I'm from the FBI. You remember me from Resident Evil 3 and the other ones. You remember me from those good games? Here yeah. I am. And they team up. Resident Evil 6 is also... Um, in a lot of Resident Evil games, there will be a point where you are forcibly... Uh, made to control a different character. Like... All right. Like... Like Barry in the first game. Yeah. Um, in Resident Evil 6, this happens a fuck time. The whole thing of Resident Evil 6 was they were like, it's 17 different stories going on at once. And it's too much. It's too much. It is the full, it is the anti-apotheosis of, the anti-apotheosis of the branching storylines. The anti-apotheosis, which I just got diagnosed with, and it's rude that you would make fun of me. Um... <laughs> The it's when your bones turn into pasta. I was gonna say it's when you can no longer eat pasta for the rest of your life because it hurts your bones. Yeah. Okay. I just want spaghetti bones. Uh. Anyway. So Chris gets back from amnesia. He says, "I'm done with this. This sp- ain't the gig." If you had spaghetti bones, I would flop you around like a piece of laminated paper. I wouldn't. I wouldn't love you anymore if you didn't. <laughs> uh. So. He does some stuff to stop the C-Virus. He becomes, like, a big fancy squad leader. Leon's also there. He kicks ass with Ada Wong. It's not a good game, but, hey, it was trying. And they said, hey, you know how we did the most? Let's do much less than that. And they did Resident Evil 7, which is the best game in the series. So Resident Evil 7 is... uh, What year did Resident Evil 6 come out? 2012. So five years go by... Resident Evil 7. And a lot of stuff happens in the horror game genre specifically. It literally, it has a renaissance between 2012 and 2017. Oh yeah, we're talking like Five Nights at Freddy's. We're talking... PT is incredibly important in this because it was a first person uh, playable teaser for a Silent Hill reboot. Which which never never happened. Yeah, never happened. Because um, Konami basically said, 
fuck you to Kojima. Um, and then Kojima went off and made Death Stranding and made his own production company. So yeah. work, Queen. Work, Queen. We love you. You sure love uh, Matt Mickelson. Kojima, you're insane. We love you. Do your thing. Do your thing. So hire some better but editors. PT, PT changed the world of uh, horror video games forever. It's extremely small. You are just in it's a very few immersive. It's a very subtle, and it gets crazier and crazier as Japanese horror games are wont to do. You also have games like Outlast uh, and Amnesia: The Dark Descent, uh, which also change the way immersive horror games are played. And so, in twenty, like in, am, in Amnesia, if you're not familiar with the games, uh, you cannot fight back. Outlast is also the same way. You absolutely have to run and hide from things, which harkens back to the starting point of survival horror games, where you were weak, unequipped, and had to run and hide. Those games say, "Hey, what if that's the entire game?" And it's fascinating, and they're very good games, and you should play them. Outlast is an okay game. LS is a great game. LS2 sucks ass. LS2 is an incredible game. Go watch the Scary Game Squad play. It's great. Um, so Resident Evil 7 is a, oh. a full 20-hour retrospective of the entire game and how they, how they lost their way. If this was movies, Resident Evil 7 would be an anthology series called Here's How I Fucked Up. <laughs> and it would go through all the movies and why they were good. It goes through, it would be like going, it would be like squishing together all the Jurassic Parks. But good. Yeah. Yeah. But like, but like a retrospective that goes through and is like, and like goes back through Jurassic, all the Jurassic Parks and is like, Okay, we're gonna redo all the shitty ones, but yeah. mostly keep but keep like all the good stuff. Yeah. So Resident Evil Seven starts. You're in one wing of a house, well, of a okay. scary, spooky house. Oh wait, wait, wait! It's important. Story. You're you you are. Your name is Ethan. Your name is Ethan. What's your last name? Winters. Winters. I was gonna say Hunt, but I think that's from. You are. It is an entirely new cast of characters. Right. For you know, for most of it. Well, for for most of it. Well. So you are an American. Your wife uh, has gone missing, right? Because uh, she she went a, to a bayou in Louisiana. She you don't know that at first. You do know that well, she's in Louisiana. You find out you that it's been there. yeah, it's been three years. You get a message from her saying, "I'm in Louisiana. Uh, come get your girl. Come here." Um, and it starts out with just literally an exposition monologue of him on the phone with some random character we never hear from again. Yeah, that's bad that's storytelling, <laughs> whatever. When you start playing the video game, you are walking down this, this very accurate southern driveway with weeping willows and everything. You're freaked out by, like, a, a dead deer. You're freaked out by, like, mosquitoes. You go into this spooky house. Uh, it is very baseline returning to basics. It's also first person, which is very important. Uh, up to, up until now, most of the games, uh, all of the games have been... Other than Resident Evil Survivor for the PlayStation 1. All of the games have been third person, yeah. over the shoulder. You can see your character. You can see where they are in the environment. All of a sudden, you are now in an... You are now in first person, which makes everything more claustrophobic by default. And, yeah, and it makes you identify with a character that we aren't familiar with. It would be very odd for a game like like Resident Evil to switch to first person with a character like Chris Redfield because we already have associations with You don't want to be Chris, in Chris Redfield's skin. It would be like if the new God of War went first person. It would mm -hmm. just be very weird. So it's a very smart move that they do a whole new cast. So now we're basically in a small version of Resident Evil 1. You are in a mansion being followed by something, which is then revealed to be Spooky Father. Well, so you find Mia, your wife. your wife, downstairs, and she's like, you shouldn't be here. There's something inside me. Get that. Let's get out of here. You go upstairs. She stabs you in the hand with a screwdriver because she gets scary black eyes and is a scary lady. Mm -hmm. This, we can't go through every single thing of Resident Evil oh, 7. absolutely not. But... The main thing is there's a Southern family who is a cast of very large personalities who have become infected by something right. that has made them cannibals. So, and it is revealed throughout the game that it is a new virus made by Umbrella brought to Louisiana by a big 
boat that it crashed an, into the coast. It was an accident. Yes. Um, so And Mia was on that boat. Mia was part of the project that was creating being, the virus. Yes. Um, which the virus takes the form of, when Mia sees her, a little girl called Evelyn. And when we meet her, takes the form of an old grandmother named Grandma Evie. Well, she has... The virus in her has caused her to age rapidly. Right. And she controls people through, like, mind... Yeah, so this virus is a mold thing, very similar, again, to a uh, a revolutionary game in the horror genre, which was Last of Us, which played with uh, fungal, cordyceps-type... Infection. Infection with zombies. Resident Evil 7 plays on that with this idea that there is a kind of host of a virus that then can use that same kind of... And it the, the zombies in this game are called the molded. Uh, like, this is a kind of mold, fungal thing that allows yeah. for for almost a flood-like uh, control of different biomasses. Um, it's a very good game. Uh, There's you, incredible boss fights. Like, each... You go through these different areas. There's in the old first house. twenty minutes, you fight the dad, who With has the best line. Well, I'll get there. Who has the best line ever? Which it's when you're like you end up trying to kill Mia because she's gone evil on you, and so you like start you shoot her and you kill her, quote unquote. But she doesn't die because part of the virus is that it can like reform your body parts uh, and heal you in a way. And he turns you around and says, "Welcome to the family, son," and punches you, and then you wake up with your hand that got cut off, stapled back onto you, super creepy. And also, then you they get, gave you an Apple Watch, so now you know what your health you an, is. Yeah, they gave you an Apple Watch, which shows you how healthy you are, very good. Uh, and you all, then you get fed dirty, nasty worms. Uh, well, it's like rotting human meat. Yeah, dirty, nasty meat, which is part of the process of becoming a molded. Uh, at least becoming... Infected again, with the virus. Infected the with the virus in a way that allows you to still live as the person you are, controlled by... Evie. Yes. Eventually. So, throughout the course of this game, you basically go through stages where the world gets larger and larger. You go into different kind of location like, location pieces starting out in a small mansion like in Resident Evil 1. Um, Then it expands out. You go... There's a... There is an old house which is, like, rotted and falling apart, which is closer to the water. There is a, like, saw trap escape room. That the brother makes. That's so funny. Um, Oh, yeah, the boss fight with the dad is you're hitting him with a big car. Well, that's the first boss Um, fight with him. Yeah, the first boss fight within 20 minutes. I thought you were going to say his best line is, nice car, Ethan. Oh, that's also very good. He, that also is the most insane that's when I really was like, holy crap, this game is so insane. Just batshit crazy is when you are running away from the dad and you meet the, you see the cop again who you like had touched base with and said like, hey, meet me at the garage, we're gonna go run away. And he comes and gets you and then his head gets cut in half by a shovel. Mm. You literally see the top half of his head fall off it is so insane, and then you hit the dad with a car a bunch of times and kill him, quote unquote. But then he comes back and he runs at you with a chainsaw, and you use big, big human uh, uh, punching bags to kill him. Uh, and even that doesn't kill him. You have to fight right. him another ga- another so, time. So throughout this game, you go you go basically through different locations. At the end of which, you fight one of the members of the family. And so you fight each member of the family. You kill them or you rid them of the virus. Is the idea the brother is actually not infected with the virus? In the same way, at least, we find out that he is actually working with Umbrella. Uh, there's a, a there's a secret underground laboratory near yeah, the house. Near the house, of course. We're going to go find, like, what this virus was. Uh, then we have a flashback on the boat where he plays Mia, seeing how the uh, the virus and Evelyn were created and nurtured and, and dealt and with. how she basically, like, caused the crash because... Right, she caused the crash, which... We'll talk about this in a second, but so she caused the crash. This whole thing happens. You end up, uh, you also meet a sister of the family who's also not infected, who is like trying to fight back she against is, Umbrella. She's infected, and, but still has her mental facilities right. and is she's like, in the early stages of infection. Yes. And she has, speaks with a very bad Southern accent. Yeah, there is. We also have to mention Clancy Javis, who is also in this video game. Okay. So. There are several parts of this game where you find a VHS and you watch it, but by watching the VHS, you take control of the person in the VHS who is filming. Yeah. Sometimes one time it's Mia, 
And one time it is Clancy Javis, who is with two other men who are filming a... Uh, I don't do ADR, is what he says in the thing. Is They are filming a like haunted house, like ghost hunters style show. And they, and this is in the very beginning of the game. Um, and these VHSs serve to like show you where you're supposed to go next. Yeah. Um, they're almost like tutorials, but they're not. But they're incredibly detailed and fascinating. Except for the fact that the man's name is Clancy Javis, which is, is I forget a what lot. the other two games. Nobody name. cares. Uh, they don't do ADR and they get put on hooks. Um, his name is Clancy Javis. His name is Clancy Javis, which I do want to talk. So to go through the rest of the game, you end up finding out that uh, Evie is actually still there. She's the grandmother. You end up fighting her. She becomes a big bad monster. There's uh, also there's, the house explodes yes. and Chris Redfield comes down on a helicopter and gets you. He lifts up your your body very gently, cradling like you kisses like a babe, you softly on the forehead. Says it's all gonna be okay, and then he throws you into the helicopter that's still way up in the air. Um, but there's also like there is this very strong theme of family in the game yeah. that is that's like actually kind of nice. It's 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 such a new right. thing in yeah. the Resident Evil games because it's always just about like evil and like the biohazard and like yeah. You keep expecting Wesker to come out from behind a thing and be like, ha ha, Wes- they're yeah. my family. Wesker is like dead, 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 hundred percent sure dead. Um, unless they clone him, but yeah. No. And um. so in addition to that thematic element, it. It not only talks about the thematic element of the family that we're dealing with, but also the idea that, like, Evie, as she was being developed, wanted a family. And so part of her infection is that she forces new, creates new members of her family, which is, like, weirdly sweet and understandable and tragic that she is a virus that wants family and so infects people with a deadly virus to make them members of her family. It's, like, very complex and nuanced in a way that Resident Evil never has been. Yeah, you've never had this, like, the virus was always just a MacGuffin that created zombies, and now that the virus is, like, in a person and is being developed, similar to, like, in Logan, the X-Men movie. Yeah. Uh, where the young clone of yeah, Logan X, yeah. is like, the are like La- all these children are raised Laura? in isolation. Laura. Laura, all these children are raised in isolation, and they are like yearning for family and for comfort. And yeah. this idea, and this like very human thing of like, but while being different, being mutants, they have to search for family in a different yeah. way. And and Evie is like, at one point she was just a kid and like yeah. never got to experience having a family and like wants Mia and the other caretaker, the other original caretaker of her when they were on the boat to like be her like mommy and daddy. Yeah. And so it is very scary, but it adds that, like you said, this element of like tragedy Actual and melancholy. And, yeah. And the other thing is the juxtaposition of naming a character Clancy Javis. So, so clearly there are some parts of this team that do not understand the setting in the full nuanced way that they that they are setting this thing in, which is, you know, rural Louisiana, southern United States, juxtaposed with the incredible, like, storytelling going on, both with something like a ghost hunter show going into this house. What an incredible moment to have. What a really clear understanding of a cultural moment in the United States. And the incredibly political aspect of this game which is the zombie virus that is that is brought to this place is brought by a big tanker that crashes into the shore and creates an environmental disaster ruining the lives of a normal of a normal loving working class family in the southern poor united he, rural united states he, which is such a in, it is. It's also in like there's incredible environmental storytelling because in Resident Evil you can always go around and okay you can plow through these games and just get the bare bones of the story. There is also going to always be like notes and pictures, right? Which and, is like, another thing about survival horror that, and stuff where and you, immersive sims where you can like actually read like what characters are thinking uh, or like their notes on their computer. Like you can find trophies that the brother had when he was in, like, high school from, like, robotics. Or pictures or letters from the father to the mother when he was away for work. And they're just, like, sweet 
people who like didn't who who were just normal people and it and there, there's also like things that you can pick up and interact with that like have no purpose like you can pick up a yeah. football helmet and like examine it in the way that you could examine like any key item yeah. but there's like no purpose for it except to show you that like oh this family that I now have it's to like real. fight and are actively like hunting me and want to hurt me were just normal humans yeah it's so bizarre and I don't know if it was intentional but I could write a thesis paper about how the uh, the overarching story of this game is kind of both a metaphor for how uh, like uh, <laughs> uh, capitalistic, uh, exploitation of nature results in ruining the lives of specifically working class people. But there's also an element of this that is an allegory for like the infectious nature of uh, right wing nationalism or fascism that like the power of a kind of a destructive force, this force that crashed into the coast of Louisiana, convincing the people that it's hurting and infecting that it's actually good and actually the exact thing that these people need in this moment and that being molded is actually a good thing. And it's such a complex story that I don't think was intentional, but is unintentionally fascinating and incredible. It's so good. Hey, talk about the big lady in Resident Evil 8. Okay, Resident Evil 8 is um, a continuation of Resident Evil 7 in some senses. Yeah. You are still Ethan Winters. It's still first person. You have successfully, uh, if you chose the correct option in Resident Evil 7, you have successfully uh, rid yourself and Mia, uh, wink wink, of the virus that was Evelyn. Um, you have moved to Eastern Europe because Chris you know. Redfield told you to. As one does. I think to the same place that Resident Evil 3 takes place. Wherever yes. they were, wherever Wesker's son was. So, uh, you're having dinner in your house with your child. It opens with this beautiful, like, dark fairy tale that's made, that's like almost paper mache looking. Um, and it it's a story being read to your daughter, Rose. Uh, and then... Chris Redfield kicks down your door and shoots Mia a bunch. And then you wake up after the, like, tr the, like, armored van has Let's crashed. Let's be clear, Mia's dead at the beginning of this video game. And you go to this village in the mountains that you find because there's nothing around. And it's just, it is similar to 3 and 4. It is much more action-oriented. Um, the story gets a, a like, even more batshit than Resident Evil 7. It is... It is a very good game. There are uh, some things about it that are stupid. There is an interesting cast of characters that draws from uh, folklore and mythology of Eastern Europe. The giant lady is named Lady Dimitrescu. You there's all these like interesting red herrings where they think they make you think that it's werewolves, but it's actually just another type of uh, mold infection. Yeah. They make you think, which also kind of harkens back to Resident Evil One, where the first things you encountered were those zombie dogs, and so it's kind of like, oh, is this going to be a zombie dog game, and it's just a zombie human game? Yeah, there's also um, there's also so many iconic enemies in. Resident Evil that do not show up in 7 and 8, like Lickers, yeah. uh, which are skinless, cannot see, but they hear, and they have big, long tongues. Um, and they're, like, on all fours, but they're really buff. They're freaky. Um, but you are going through this village. You're trying to find your daughter. Uh, and it's that same kind of thing as Resident Evil 7, where you have a kind of location at the end of which is a member of this kind of gang of villains, villains, quote-unquote, but, like, it another, almost... Another weird It's literally family. like Sly Cooper. Like, you go into an area, and you know at the end of that you're going to have a boss that's, like, one of the Sinister Six or whatever. Yeah, this, this Resident Evil 8 is less narratively interesting yeah. to me. It just seems less narratively tight. Yes. Um, there's, there's a lot of... There, so there's, like... Five main villains who are all their own little family. There is Mother Miranda, who's the head of everything. There is Lady Dimitrescu, who is the giant uh, woman. 
Uh, fun fact, her butt has more polygons than the entirety of Resident Evil 1. Incredible. Uh, there is uh, the fish guy, who I forget his name, Moreau. 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 Yeah. Uh, there, he is, like, hunchbacked and deformed. There is... Donna. Uh, there like is a ghost. Donna this is, also is, not, an a, is not a ghost. She is but, a puppeteer, but you never right. see her face. She's all in black. She's Each uh, of the characters kind of evokes another folkloric character. Yeah. Like, Lady D is vampire-esque. Uh, like, yeah, each one does a different thing. Um, But it's... All of them are, like, a, kind of tragically underdeveloped, except for, like, Lady Dimitrescu. Yeah, because um, she's the first one. She has so much time, and then the rest of them are like, boom, 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 boom. We gotta get through this. Um, what's the fourth? Very much like Sly 2. Yeah, what's the fourth guy's name? I Heisenberg. Heisenberg, that's yeah. his name. His we name's don't like Carl. Him. Um, yeah. There's a, also a thing that is uh, a bad part, a good and a bad part of this game, which is the sexualization of the different villain characters, of which Lady D makes total sense, you know, Catch that check. Lady D, we all love you. But the problem comes with the fact that Heisenberg is, in addition to being kind of a a stand-in for Magneto, is, uh, <laughs> like, that's the folklore character. He, he also, also, he also is, has a line that's like, the strong will destroy the weak, that's the way of the world, which is similar to, uh, like, Wesker's idea of, like, human yeah, evolution. Yeah, and his, his, his character design is inspired specifically by a a Nazi scientist. Like, he is meant to to evoke the evil power of uh, fascism and specifically Nazism, not just in Germany, but in Eastern Europe. Yes, he... So sexualizing him is not good. <laughs> Sorry. He has... I, the frustrating thing is that he has an interesting story, is right. that he hates Mother Miranda for the changes and what he has done to... what she has done to him. And the fact that she has, like, forced these people to become, like, part of her family. Yeah. Um, it is also the fact that, like, all of them who were infected with this mold, if you have some sort of medical condition, like, the reason that Lady Dimitrescu is a vampire is she had a hereditary blood disease, was infected with the virus, which made her very strong and very huge, but she still has to drink human blood in yeah. order to survive. Like, so he wants to kill her, he wants to, Heisenberg wants to kill Mother Miranda because of what she's done to him, which is like an interesting, yeah, an interesting motive for yeah. this villain. And he actually doesn't want to kill you at first. And he says like, Ethan, join with me and we'll kill Mother Miranda. Yeah. And you say no, because Ethan is milk toast and has no personality. Right. Except for I want to save my daughter. Yeah, it's a very complex game. I, again, I think like we could have a whole episode about it. Um, it it's, it's, it's just, it's one of those games where like, it, it's frustrating to me as a follow-up because it is not as tight as exactly. you said. You can see how they... Had so much ambition, had, uh, so many well, ideas. And Resident Evil 7, it seems like they came into that game with a lot of humility. And then much... Which I think that the reason that Resident Evil got out of control was because due to its success and its profits, the, the studio kind of let them just go in a way that was not necessarily always... Uh, focused. Yes. Um, it was also there was also a very strong nudging again towards like, well, consumers want action and right. cons and consumers and like, well, our player base is uh, white cishet men, so they want yeah. action and they want machismo and they want this and that and this and that. Right, which is what led to Resident Evil's over actionification and all of that over the years, and so it, it seems like it learned the wrong lessons from Resident Evil Seven and got overambitious right away. Yeah. Um, I definitely think the tightness is is my issue as well because there are definitely nuggets of a really interesting thing there. It also seems like they were on a shorter development cycle than they were with Seven, and so that might be why Lady D is the only really fleshed out one, why the experience feels more confused, more, more vague. Yeah. Uh, definitely less focused. Well, this has been a long episode. Uh... Ezra has to go do some work, but hey, play some Resident Evil games, uh, not the bad ones. Watch some, Watch Resident, some Evil Resident Evil games, not the bad ones. <laughs> uh, play a light game, light gun game with your friends. Put on a lore video and listen to it over the course of your day, and then you will understand why my brain has worms in it whenever I think about all of the crazy bullshit in this stuff. Uh, for sure. Listen, uh, I listen. If you don't love the camp 
insane performance of Wesker in Resident Evil 5, I don't know what to say to you. I just think it's absolutely hilarious. His, his eyes get like blood red at one point and he's like, I will do this. Like there's, oh my God, it's just so bad. It's so funny. I'm having trouble logging into my password thing to try and get that gosh darn Patreon up. Well, hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Great American Scream. If you enjoyed, please leave a rate and a review on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify. Share the show. The best way to spread the word is to tell a friend. You can follow The Great Scream, Great American Scream, wow, on Twitter and Instagram at, at Great Scream Pod or on Facebook at The Great American Scream. A special thank you goes out to Michael Segudo for doing the intro disclaimer, as well as Stevie Viola, who does the intro and outro music. If I could thank all my patrons above uh, the the man in the fields level, I would, uh, but my Patreon won't load. So thank you so much, all of our wonderful patrons, including our new $3 patron. Uh, thank you so much for your monetary support, and thank you so much for your support by listening. I've been Devin Wright. I have been Ezra Fisher. And hopefully you have been spooked. And don't eat human flesh unless strictly necessary. If you are thinking about joining the Umbrella Corporation and they hand you a vial and say, if things get bad, inject yourself with this, walk off the job site. I would say you should walk off the job site before that. I'm sure there will be other red flags about the Umbrella Corporation that will tell you, hey, get the heck out of there.